You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor and one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church, and I'm joined this morning by one of the other elders of Believer's Baptist Church, Philip Castleton. We want to thank you all for listening, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And Philip, when we began this podcast back in the, I guess in the fall of 2019, we wanted to make sure that we addressed questions that came to us outside of our congregation, but particularly inside of our congregation, dealing with difficult texts, controversial questions, um, critical kinds of questions that we need to think about as believers. And the thing that we said on the very first podcast at that time is that we, we made a statement from the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, the Holy Scriptures are the only sufficient, certain, and infallible standard of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. And so that's what we've tried to do through these two years of um, doing the podcast. Actually, this is the beginning of the second year. And um, we come to a question in which we're going to answer, and people really need to be sitting with their Bible to make the most clarity of what we're going to look at. The question is, what is the sin unto death? What is the sin unto death? And that's a question that people have debated, discussed. Um, There's been a lot of different controversy and thought about it, and it's a question that comes to us from the New Testament book of 1 John, particularly chapter 5. So uh, with that being said, Philip, why don't you give us some thought about this, and let's try to give some clarity. And if you're listening, and if it's possible for you, we do encourage you to get your Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 5. I think it will be easier for you to follow the thought as we try to answer this question, what is the sin unto death? Well, the verse 16 is, is where this is found, and, and this is what it says. If anyone sees his brothers, or brother rather, committing sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. So what does this mean? Well, let's be clear up front. Uh, the wages of sin is death. So um, in, in that sense, all sin leads to death. Um, and uh, even for us in Christ, we are going to taste physical death. And at that point, our relationship to sin ends. Praise God. Wonderful. And the good thing is, is, you know, we actually have a, a, a threefold relationship to sin anyway. Um, you know, we, we know it's power, it's, uh, you know, it's presence and it's penalty, right? It's right. the way it's been understood for years. Um, it, it's power is, is, is removed for us because we died and were resurrected with Christ, right? right? Um, Romans 6 is really clear because of that, because of our death in him and our resurrection with him. We are no longer slaves to No sin. longer slaves to it. So it's, it's, it's power is ended. The penalty for sin for us in, in an eternal sense is done. We, God's wrath has been satisfied in Christ. And so, um, that, uh, that has been extinguished for us. But, um, 
but the the presence of sin uh, stays. We we still have that on us until the day that we die. We have um, an unredeemed flesh that still knows the taste of sin, and so um, it should be less and less that um, the presence of sin is is a reality in a believer's life. Uh, because of the work of sanctification and the work of the Spirit in us as he makes us more and more progressively like Christ. But but here we have this text that says that there's um, there's a sin that's not leading to death, and I think ultimately is talking about... Um, uh, well, to give it context, I, I think, and I'll, I'll put my cards on the table, I think that when it says that there's a sin not leading to death and a sin that is leading to death, I think that the contrast between those two is one, is the sin that a believer commits, which, um, uh, you know, in, he's already in faith. Mm-hmm. A person's in faith. They, they have been uh, renewed, transformed, uh, been given new life. They're born again, and yet because of the remaining um, influence of sin on their unredeemed flesh, um, we still sin. I mean, John's going to say all the way back in chapter 1 uh, that if we say we don't have sin, we're a liar or we're confused, but either way we call God a liar because he says we still have sin. Right. right. He also says in that same chapter, chapter one, that when we confess our sin, he's faithful, faithful and righteous to forgive us. That's right. Sin. So, so um, I think the, the contrast between the, this, this one sin that doesn't lead to death and the sin that does is a, the one is a sin that's uh, committed by a believer, a believer. The other one is a, 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 a refusal to move from a position of apostasy. So here's, um, if we give it context, and, and let me explain why I believe this. If we give it context, the John chapter one begins with a, a testimony. John saying, uh, that which we have seen with our eyes and you know touched with our hands and, and so forth. Um, he's, he's arguing against a heresy that is, um, that is arising called Gnosticism, where people believed that Jesus, um, well, there's a docetism is in there too, but that that Jesus um, didn't come in the flesh. Ultimately, uh, that he was some kind of apparition, and but um, ultimately it leads to the point that if if he didn't have a physical body, the, the distinction for Gnosticism is that flesh is bad and spirit's good. So if if God is really good, then he he couldn't have a physical he, body. Yes, and if he doesn't have a physical body, then he couldn't have died on the tree, and you know he couldn't have taken. Um, uh, the the penalty of death in his flesh, which is the Bible's clear that he did. So that being said, um, he's battling Gnosticism from the very beginning, and he's battling um, a group of people uh, that would not believe the testimony of God the Father, and that God the Father's testimony about the Son is that he did come in the flesh, and that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. And so the whole argument from chapter 1 all the way through is the same thing. You need to know that Jesus Christ is the Son. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son, you, you, you are not going to have eternal life. If you don't believe the testimony of the Father that Jesus Christ is the Son, you're calling God a liar because he's testified to this fact. And he's he's explaining this the whole way. In fact, even in chapter 5, um, if you pick up in verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that that has overcome the world, our faith. Who 
is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Right. So all of this, this testimony at the beginning of the chapter is, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've overcome. If you don't, you haven't. If you believe the testimony of God, you know, you're in. If you don't believe the testimony of God, you're out. You get down here in verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his son. So in, in other words, God has testified to who his son is, and this is what he has said. Verse 10, whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Again, contrast all the way through here. Either you believe the testimony that God has, that Jesus came in the flesh, that he uh, you know, lived a righteous life, that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, or you don't. And then we get to, to our verses. Verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing this to believers that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence. So if we have eternal life, we have confidence. And this is it. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that having our, uh, uh, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So we're having confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer because that we God are answers in prayers. Because we're in, yeah, exactly right. Okay. So verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. So let's stop here for a second. So what's, what is being communicated? Um, uh, if, if you are in Christ, you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and that the testimony of God is true, that, that the, his very son is our our, our avenue to God, our avenue to, uh, to, to save salvation. If you hold that and you're in Christ, we have confidence that we can pray. So I see my brother sinning, my brother in Christ, my regenerate brother, the one who has been born again, and he, has, and he commits a sin. The Bible says I should pray for him. I should pray for him uh, that, he will, um, uh, that he will turn and repent and, 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 and move away from his sin. This is the testimony, right? right. You see your brother sinning? Repent. Uh, pray for him that he'll repent. Pray for him that he'll turn. Let's give some other context for that. Okay. Because we see Galatians chapter 6, mm -hmm. Paul writing to the believers in Galatia, and he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burden so that you fulfill the law of Christ. Right. So the same idea here in First John as we see in Galatians, the idea of when you see a brother in sin, not leading to death. To, now, not leading to death, I think the way that that's always been understood, at least just the common understanding, is that a person who is a believer might sin and it would be so grievous, and their witness would be so heinous against the church and bring reproach upon Christ that God would would take that person out by death. Yeah, and we actually have um, we have um, examples of that in Scripture. For example, um, we believe Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they lied, and they lied to the Holy Spirit, and God made an example of them. Right? He killed right. them instantly. Or, or the testimony about the that Paul gives about those who have. Uh, 
taken the Lord's Supper um, in First Corinthians eleven, right? And that um, some of them have even died. So we have testimony that that God does uh, at time remove Christians who have sinned. I don't. I don't personally think that's what this text is teaching. And I and I and I think that because of the linear aspect, the, the context. If we if we follow the the argument of the whole letter, um, even when we get down to chapter five, and we follow this argument through, the contrast from beginning to end is those who have accepted the testimony of God and who believe that Christ came in the flesh and and have faith in in Him. Uh, they're in one position. All those who don't are in a different position. In fact, even in chapter 2, it goes, it, it, I think it's verse 19, it says, some people went out from us because they were not of us. He's speaking of apostates. And I, I think that's where our text is going. Mm-hmm. And um, and let me explain why. You get uh, Anyone who sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death, he shall ask. And God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. So we've got this picture of a person sinning, his brother seeing him sin, recognizing that he needs repentance, and he prays to those ends. Which, by the way, another context for that reality is Matthew 18, the context of church discipline. Right. If we see one another sinning uh, out of love, going to help bring restoration and reconciliation. Yeah, goal is always restoration, right? right? And James chapter 5 speaks to the... Uh, going to the elders and asking for prayer. So right. so my point is, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, this is the testimony of Scripture all the way through. This is what we should do for one another. Right. And this is adding the, the idea also of prayer for that sinning brother. Right. Uh, and by the way, as th- though I take a different view than some, there are some really, really good men who hold uh, to the fact that, um, as we're going to get to in the rest of this verse, that this the, the person who commits the sin leading to death would be a, a believer who God has taken home. There are some very good men who hold that view, uh, um, uh, men that are much brighter and smarter than me. I, I just, um, But we have to do our work ourselves. And, and my understanding of this text, as I work through it, trying to leave it in its context and understanding the argument, I don't. I believe this is an apostate. I believe this is a person who claims to be a Christian but doesn't hold the truth about who Jesus is. Right. Okay. Let's let's be clear. I, I agree with you as, as well on your position and where you come down on this. And of course, prior to going on air, we we talk through it and work through it and ask each other's thoughts and opinions and ideas on it. So I'm in total agreement with you. And I think one thing that might have some clarity or bring some help in understanding is an apostate is one who has claimed to be in Christ, who has claimed to be in the truth, right. but but yet at the same time is rejecting the the definite, the biblical truh right. in, in this context, First uh, John, uh, because of Gnosticism, that Jesus came in the flesh. Right. Well, and actually, apostate might even be the wrong word, because usually apostate is one who walks away. I think what, what's being really articulated here is a person who who claims to be in faith, Mm-hmm. But their view of who Jesus is isn't consistent with the view that God has um, given us, right? Because he keeps saying God has borne witness to who his son is. Mm-hmm. He's given us the scriptures. He's given us the, the apostles. He's given us the prophets, right? He's told us who uh, who Christ is, and, and, and his testimony is the one we must be believe. Um, and so here's what he goes. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not ask that one should pray for that. So um, that's all we get. Right. right. So let's keep on with the context to see if it doesn't make sense of, that it might be someone who holds a view that doesn't 
comport with um, the testimony of Scripture. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God doesn't keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So here we see that the one who's in Christ, the believer who, who truly is regenerate, is protected, right? Isn't that what that statement ultimately says? Uh, he doesn't keep on sinning. He doesn't keep on stay in a, a life that is marked by perpetual, ongoing, um, habitual sin. They can't. Any person who does that is outside of grace, the Bible teaches. It says the, this person cannot do that, and God it protects them. Verse 19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world, now that's outside of us, lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and the eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. The very last thing, keep yourself from idols. This argument all the way through, here's a believer, the believer's protected. We know that we're in God because we believe in the Son. We know that we're in God because uh, we believe the testimony of the Father. Um, We are we have understanding because we're in the Son. So if we go back and think about verse 16, this, this sin that leads to death, what's it talking about? I believe if we, if we run the context from front to back, what we recognize is there's, uh, there are people that would have been in the assembly, right? They would have been going to the church, been in the congregation, who had bought into these Gnostic ideas and were... Um, even though claiming to be Christians, uh, they were probably believing that Jesus either hadn't come in the flesh or uh, that maybe um, Jesus wasn't fully God. Maybe he, there was a man named Jesus. He was a good guy, but he wasn't fully God. Whatever the case may be, they weren't believing the truth about who Christ was. And yet, so they were outside of saving faith, right? Mm-hmm. And they refused the truth. They wouldn't hear it. They weren't going to move. They weren't going to budge. And I think the argument is here. If you see your legitimate brother sinning, one that has it confesses the true faith, one who believes in Jesus as, as God has, has, has uh, exposed him, as God has let him be known. If that brother, you see that brother sinning, pray for him. Pray that he repents. But if you've got someone who claims to be a brother and, and they're outside of orthodoxy on who the person of Christ is, they're not in Christ. There's no repentance for them, and if they refuse, if they and if they choose to stay there, um, um, let them go. I think that's the argument, and I don't think it's a definitive. Do not pray for that person. I think that his point is is um, we can see there's hope for the person who's in Christ, who holds the a real belief of who Christ is. We've seen the regenerative power of, of the work of Christ and saving power in this person manifest. And, and, and so they sin. They do. We pray for them. We want repentance. But the person who is outside of Christ and refuses to, believe, to know the truth, um, even though they've heard the truth, they're denying it, let them go. Right, and and I think I think that what John is saying, he's not forbidding that we should we that we could pray for right. the one who is walking away or refusing to uh, listen to the truth. He's just saying, 
then we we don't have the confidence yeah. uh, to pray for this one as we would pray for a sinning brother who um, will repent and not stay in a pattern of sin. Yeah, it actually says that if we ask anything according to His will, is it God's will that His that His children, those who have been regenerate, um, uh, shun sin? And, and, and act in repentance, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So we pray to those ends. We ask according to God's will that his, his children uh, would, um, would know him, would grow, would shun sin, move toward righteousness, right? Uh, this, is, um, this is the argument. Right. I um, remember um, when I was growing up um, in high school, there was a student that was a, a little bit older than I was, um, and his dad actually was on staff at our church, local church that we attended, that I grew up in. And he was a, a rebellious young man. He, he, he sinned in a grievous, grievous ways, and the testimony was not good. And um, I remember on a Sunday morning, um, my mother came in and, and woke me up and um, she told me that this young man had been killed in a car wreck on Saturday night the night before. Um, and, and the aftermath of that was the explanation of, well, he had rebelled so grievously and sinned so much against God that God killed him. Yeah. Um, and and th- what we are saying is this text is not saying that. We have some evidences of that, as you said. Yeah. Um, you pointed out Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, and we see the 1 Corinthians 11 uh, passage that indicates that. So we're not saying that that's not God doesn't do that. Right. We're just saying this text doesn't teach that. I don't think so. All right, I, I, I agree. I, yeah, I don't think so because of the line of argumentation that John gives. I, the the point to the letter, What is he? what is he giving... Um, what is he doing? He's he's writing a polemic, right? He's mm-hmm. writing an ar- a, a, an argument mm-hmm. for who Christ is, and against those who would um, pervert um, the 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 incarnation of the Son of God, right? right. In flesh, and would deny uh, those things. He's writing a polemic against those. He's tr- he's saying, and and he actually uh, throughout the whole book argues that if you don't know who Christ is, and if you don't understand it, you're outside of grace. You must get Christ right. If you don't get Jesus right, you don't get anything right. And not only that, you there is no relationship to the Father if it doesn't come through the Son. So you must get Jesus right. This is his argument all the way through. And so when he gets to this point about a sin unto death versus um, uh, not... I don't think you can remove it from that context. I agree. So that's why I land where I do. Right. But like I said, there are there are really really wonderful um, godly uh, expositors who who take a, a slightly different view on that. And I think that part of the reason for um, thinking about the question, what is the sin unto death, is that we. I think the danger is that we don't know what that is. I mean, we have the example of um, Ananias and Sapphira where they lied to the Holy Spirit about property that they had sold and right. and the certain amount, and then they said it was um, this amount, and they kept it for themselves. And then the abuse of the Lord's Supper in the First Corinthians eleven. But but how do we? I think what the fear is, and, and, and maybe there's good reason to think this way, um, 
how do I know if I've committed a sin unto death? I mean, if I'm going about my daily life and routine, and I'm a believer, and I'm trying to be faithful, and I'm trying to be obedient, yet uh, I sin, how do I know that God's not going to strike me dead immediately? Um, and I think those are the kinds of confusions, right. you know, that, that come into play when trying to, to answer this question. Well, yeah, well, what we do know is that Ananias and Sapphira were certainly um, examples that were put forth. And I don't know, I hold a view on that, that I'm not so sure that we're capable of, of committing the same sin that they did, because mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that we have the same um, extent of um, example you know, before us, right? right? I mean, but that being said, uh, I don't know if I if I think that that's a possibility for us in the context of the the Lord's Supper. I mean, he actually says that some are sick and some have died. So I don't think they were struck down instantly. I think some of them, um, God gave them over to, um, uh, you know, to disease or to something else or, you know, some kind of ailment. Right. And, and it took its time. Interesting enough, if that were the way this was to be interpreted, then it would seem that you would have an opportunity to pray for that brother. Right. Right? Right. Because they're sick. They're, I mean, you couldn't have prayed for Ananias and Sapphira. They were dead instantly, right. right? Who would have known? Right. But in the other situation, you've got this progressive thing where some are sick, some have died. Um, you'd think that if that were what were being communicated here, why would he say, don't pray for that brother? Mm-hmm. If that's a brother and they're sick, and you know they're sick because of their sin, you would think that we would be encouraged to pray for them and pray hard. Right. That's another reason I don't believe that that this is um, an exhortation to um, uh, to to leave our our brother in Christ just leave them to themselves, leave them to their sin. Right. And we're just we're told to to intervene in every way that we possibly can to save our brother. But if they remain in their sin, if you go back to Matthew 18, the person who professes Christ, they remain in their sin, at some point you decide they're not a believer. Right. They have, because they're of the refusal to repent, we recognize they're not actually a believer. And so um, that's the argument that I would understand. Right. I am... I think you're you're right, and even in James, I made reference to James chapter five, when the elders are called in to pray for one who is sick, and the context is as a result of sin. Yes. Now, um, I did get a um, text um, this week about um, a, a wife um, who um, believes. Uh, at least her husband believed at the time that he was sick, and he ultimately passed away. He believed he was sick um, because God was bringing uh, judgment upon him or discipline upon him because of his sin, because he was engaged in a continuous, unrepentant sin. Right. Um, so it's interesting how you know the the. Um, thought process is about this uh, at the very least let's take warning that sin is serious no doubt and it should be dealt with radically yes right and, and let's take the thought away that we are here as believers to help each other in our battle against sin yes and um, if we if we stick with the context of first John let's make sure we get Jesus right it's imperative exactly. if we don't get him right our, 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 we're, we're living on sand. We've built our foundation on sand, and it will crumble. Right. Well, 
I hope that what we've been able to say and uh, bring some clarity and give some encouragement. And as I said in the beginning of the podcast, uh, this is a good one to have your Bible open as you laid it out as we tried to work all the way through um, chapter 5 to get to the text that uh, answers the question or at least um, brings up the question that we're addressing in the podcast. So. Um, may the Lord bless you for listening. I pray that, as always, that um, this would be helpful to you. And certainly, we are always open to any ratings, reviews, or shares, or good old-fashioned word-of-mouth uh, questions, ad- advertising questions. Yeah. Um, go to um, Believer's Baptist Church and the website, and there's a place that you can actually submit questions, or you can always call the office, text me, text Philip. We'll be glad to um, include your question in the podcast, in a future podcast. Now, let me say this, Philip, and again, I think this is always true, but we said it at the very first of recording podcast, the very first podcast, uh, we said that... um, we are not saying that um, we are the experts in all of these answers, that we don't assume that our answers or our comments uh, on any given subject will be exclusive or comprehension, comprehensive or exhaustive. We just want to bring spiritual help and promote further personal study as our goal. So maybe that's something that we need to say as we uh, um, come to the end of this particular podcast. Yeah, and um, and our goal is to give you biblical answers, not opinions. So that's right. why we that's why we go to the scripture um, in every podcast that asks a biblical question. We try, to, and even the ones that don't, we try to use scripture to answer the questions. So um, if you don't like our 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 exegesis, um, well, do your own. I, I, I certainly, we would encourage you to do that, but right. understand that we're trying to answer it as best as we can understand and, um, the scriptures. Yep. Amen. Thank you, brother. <laughs>